Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are some versions of my journals out loud, which I haven't actually been able to even get to this morning. But we're going to start with a great big old deep breath. Remember, the most important part is through the nose and really getting that old air out of our lower lobes out to settle us down in a world that is kind of on fire, as my life has been on fire the last couple of days. So I just wanted to start by saying welcome to 2024. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been off to a little bit of a rough start. And if you are new, the purpose of these podcasts have been really to focus on who we are as wired for danger humans. And we're going to be evolving it and uh, using different words while still covering the same concepts. And to that end, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, it was really called Purge Versus Letting Go. Uh, That's what I'm going to call an intensive, which is a 20-minute, which is our attention span in which we can bring information forth uh, to kind of give you tools if you're not using them or to remind us that these simple tools are really important at this moment in time uh, because there's a lot of things that are feeling like way out of control. I'm feeling way out of control. And so today's podcast will be uh, what I'm going to call more kind of the rambly version. So my goal isn't to have anything specific that you take away as a potentially important insight, but I'm hoping within the context of this that you too will hear some of the same observations or thoughts or feelings just to not feel crazy. And if I had to say one thing, it's very difficult to not feel crazy. What's real and what's not real? Because uh, as I'm going to get into in a minute, we're all having very different experiences with what we theoretically believed were the same set of facts. Uh, I'm not so sure that's true anymore. But before we do that, uh, and so one of my goals here is to uh, do just that, is kind of weed out what's going on with the world and find our center and reevaluate on how we want to move forward. And so, uh, you know, I have shared that this next foray is really about uh, finding a, a better way to do it. And I think Uh, you know, one of the words I want to shift to. So, you know, I've been talking wired for danger. Of course, nobody, you know, knows what that means. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, when I've been getting feedback, uh, the thing that people seem to be most concerned about, and validly so at this moment in time, is our safety. I need to feel safe. Uh, I need to feel safe uh, if I'm going to look at myself, if I'm going to be in interaction with you, if I'm going to do any real work. Uh, And the other half is self-awareness. But without self-awareness, we can't be safe. And the more I've thought about this as a concept and idea, uh, it really ties back into this whole reason I've been speaking to our nervous system is that we really move through the world in defense of in so many ways. And that's our stress response. That's our fight, flight, freeze. And until we can really understand who we are in relationship to our personal nervous system, uh, we're not going to be able to really manage, I think, the intensity of things cranking up around us. And uh, I haven't listened to it yet. There's a book, uh, I listened to an interview on Michael Yon called Rape of the Mind that really talks about 
all the things that are happening to us uh, mentally and emotionally. You know, we worry a lot about our physical safety, but the real assault is on us mentally and emotionally. And most of us don't even know that that's a thing, much less how to deal with it. And as I'm going to share, you know, in some of my recounting today, usually we get overtaken before we know what's happening, and then it's almost too late. And in a world where things are getting increasingly uh, more delicate to be able to recover from, I cannot stress how important uh, you know, just stepping back and evaluating. So again, this is a, a rambly version of kind of a lot of what we're talking about. Uh, but I wanted to just get it out because uh, I've had so many thoughts and observations the last few days that I think are important, uh, not as a quote unquote intensive thing that you should go do, but just a reality check. And, and like I've shared multiple times, it helps me when other people name how I feel uh, because it's so much is coming at. And, uh, you know, as I've been sharing personally, you know, physically, I feel like I'm slowing down and I'm observing how that is becoming more difficult to navigate in a world that somehow while the world is speeding up, I'm slowing down. And that makes me really nervous. And the word that I would really speak to is it makes me feel increasingly more vulnerable. And sorry, I got to cover the dogs. It's really cold this morning. We're having one of our few really cold mornings. And um, and that's not something, you know, that I'm comfortable being. I don't like being vulnerable. I don't like feeling vulnerable. Actually, I'm okay feeling vulnerable. I don't like actually being vulnerable. And uh, and when I say vulnerable, it's it's more in that delicate, fragile place where there's this horrible realization, like, I can't do anything about this. And so... Uh, you know, when I've been sort of mulling personal safety, what does that mean to me? Uh, you know, and the reason I really landed on that, just as a sidebar, is I was, uh, you know, I got to find better keywords. You all know I'm like horrible at self-promotion, so I must find better keywords. And so as I've been exploring, uh, you know, certain things, a couple of things have popped at me. One, almost everything they talk about regarding personal safety, especially for women, and it's a very different conversation for men and for women, is, you know, buying something to protect yourself and stranger danger. And, you know, for women and children, and I don't have the statistics for men, but for women and children, you know, the, the things that are most lethal are people who quote unquote love us. I mean, you're much more likely to be assaulted by someone you know or an intimate partner or a parent than you are by a stranger. Stranger statistically is microscopic compared to strangers. And for all of us, men, women, and children, you know, the leading cause of death and destruction is government, which we are witnessing in, you know, mass uh, moments of time right now. And so, you know, it's fascinating to me that all of our efforts of defense and pushing against and personal safety are about things out in the world that is statistically the least likely to happen to us. You know, we're more likely to fall in the bathroom and hit our head 
than we are to be attacked by a stranger. And, you know, one of the reasons I never wanted to talk about this is I don't even want to invite the energy in. And as I have been thinking about it more, you know, I've started to have dreams and thoughts and feelings. And so I'm hesitant to even go down this path because uh, I don't like putting my energy into these areas. But uh, as I said, I've had some personal experiences right recently that have increased my sense of vulnerability. And, you know, two days ago, so it's making me more aware that I got to spend a little time processing this because uh, I'm not going to be able to just push my way out of it. My physical capacity to keep myself safe has been drastically reduced, and that is very uncomfortable. You know, the glory of youth, right? Well, I can just, you know, push my way out and fix it, and there's comfort in that. And I've been a strong person, physically, mentally, emotionally. That is starting to collapse a little bit, a lot physically, and it makes me very nervous. And it's not just me, you know, it's just part of real life. And so, what is this morning? So Tuesday, so I think it was Sunday, we had uh, wind and rain, and it was super windy. And I forgot to do something in the car. We had something bad happen. It's not important what it was. It was just it was my mistake. And something big uh, broke. And uh, it was, you know, at 530 in the morning when it was dark, and it was raining. And it was one of those horrifying moments where you're like, oh my God, I just forgot to do one tiny thing. And this one tiny thing can take out my entire capacity to live because my vehicle is my home at this point in time. And right now my trailer is in minus degree snow. So we're not going back to the trailer. So it's a it was that horrifying realization that yet again, you know, my what is normally really good vigilance about my survival and my situational awareness, uh, you know, there's self-awareness and there's situational awareness. And I, I have really good situational awareness. Uh, whether I can do anything about it is a separate issue. But I, I'm very good at keeping an eye on everything. But I'm not perfect. And if I've learned anything, you know, on my living in the dirt lifestyle... It doesn't matter if I just make one mistake, that can be the fatal mistake. And it's very stressful having that be a real thing. It's the way our ancestors lived uh, and it's the way we live now, but we live in the bubble of just call it 911. And so that's just not going to be around forever. And, you know, trying to make that adjustment to a world where there's no 911. Uh, I don't think it's something, you know, most of us are prepared for. And I had my, you know, normal screaming meltdown. Uh, and then I, you know, couldn't do anything, you know, because it was dark out. And so God bless YouTube. You know, I was able to sort through and at least understand what had happened and uh, did find a way to band-aid it in the morning. But I, it was windy again all day yesterday, so I haven't been able to fully assess uh, the damage. So with that said, it left me, and this is the important part, not what happened, <clears throat> for those of you who are wondering and wanting to problem solve, it left me with this uh, 
horrible realization that I have been floating in and out of a lot lately, these last few years, is how vulnerable I feel. And, you know, as I was sitting here thinking, I can't deal with this by myself, where can I go? And I'm like all about walking out to strangers and asking for help. I have no problem doing that. But uh, people are kind of moving in and out. And right now there's hardly anybody that's close to where I am. And so I'm not physically far, but I'm far enough, you know, where I have to walk a distance to go get help. And, you know, so I was having that conversation. Well, where am I going to go to get help? And, uh, you know, is that person going to be scary? You know, am I going to just invite another set of problems by knocking on a door with a creepy person? And it just, you know, it, it popped into my mind, like, I hate this place of vulnerability. I can't physically push my way out of. And, you know, my experience, uh, has been with people who have money, there's this idea that you can buy your way out of any kind of problem. And that's sort of the the things we see in scary movies, right? Is that rich people are shocked, you know, when their money doesn't solve their problem and, or they just get taken advantage of. And there's like, what do you mean? You know, there's a sense of entitlement and, uh, you know, what happens when that goes away and it is slipping away. And, you know, we're, we're just in this transition period where we're all having very different experiences. So with that said, <clears throat> you know, it was going to be windy again yesterday. And so I'm like, okay, it's a good day to go do laundry and run errands. Whatever. I forget why I'm not supposed to do it on windy days. It's a great thing to do because it's a wasted day. But let's just say when you come home to put your stuff away and the wind is in high gear, it is not a good plan. <laughs> so I got all my stuff sitting outside waiting for me to be able to put it away. But deep breath. And so uh, the the second piece of that is, so I'm at the, the laundromat. And I'm uh, the laundromat I went to is in Parker, Arizona, which is a very um, plain little spot in the desert. It's about 10,000 people, but it's surrounded by Quartzsite. And, uh, you know, the other side uh, north is Lake Havasu. And it's right on the river. And California's on the other side. And so there's lots and lots of boondocking and RV places. And so... Uh, it was an interesting little laundromat because it was filled with people like me. It was all kinds of RVs and vans and trucks and school buses. And people were coming in and going because uh, it was later in the day. Normally it's cold, so I couldn't, in dark, I couldn't get out at my usual like 6 a.m. to beat the traffic, which is uh, why I like to get out early because it was crowded. And observing everybody else. And I'm thought, man, how can I be concerned about how vulnerable I feel as I'm looking around at everybody else? And there was like one guy that didn't look like he had some kind of, you know, serious medical problem. Everybody was pretty old. Uh, And I was in the parking lot or the, uh, a lot next to the laundromat, you know, taking the dogs out because, you know, it's been 15 minutes in the car. (laughs) We have to get out. And this lady who was in one of those broken down, you know, 30 foot RV things that you see uh, on a walker yelling at me, can you help me? And so, you know, I've got the two dogs yanking me around because they're in an overstimulated area of traffic and things like that. And so I walked up and I said, you know, can you move? Because I have no ability to keep them from jumping on this frail person who's on a walker or wheelchair and a, you know, leg that doesn't move. And so she couldn't bend over to untie 
her steps to get into her RV. And as we all do, you know, people start telling you all their personal stuff, or at least women. And she's telling me, you know, oh, the guy who sold me this was a lemon. And, you know, I, I fell down the other day and I spent two and a half hours on the ground because nobody would stop and help me. And, uh, you know, I'm going to just go to the emergency room now and have them put me in a facility so that I can recover because uh, that's that's who's going to take care of me because God loves me. And I'm, you know, not going to tell her, oh, I used to do that for a living and it doesn't really work that way, but good luck, right? And so, you know, my biggest nightmare was people like her who come in and their life is a catastrophe and there's nowhere for them to go and you just have to get that person out of the bed because all the hospital cares about is turnover. We can't make money from somebody who's not sick, who's just who's homeless and doesn't have a place to go because she can't take care of herself. And, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not there yet. Uh, I could be, I could fall and take out a leg or a hip. Uh, and then I would be just like her. And how close to vulnerable we all are uh, and I think, you know, because I've done this for a living in terms of knowing what little resources there are, and a lot of why I left over, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it's been, is because at that time it was impossible to find places for people to go. You know, I can't even imagine what it's like now. And watching, you know, who's coming and going from this laundromat and all the people who are almost everybody's alone. Uh, almost everybody's older, and almost everybody looks physically unwell in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, you know, there's a guy who looked like Santa Claus, huge belly, uh, and he's got flip-flops on, flip-flops on and it's bare, and is barefoot. And, you know, all I can think, because I can never turn my social worker and my survival brain off, right, because I'm always observing if you can't put your shoes on, do you know how vulnerable that makes you? Because it's one thing, you know, when you're in quote unquote civilization, but if you can't put your shoes on because your feet are either swollen or, uh, you know, arthritic or all these things happen, you know, to people's feet. So when I was in the nursing homes, you should see the toenails on people. I mean, they have to call in a doctor, a podiatrist doctor, because the toenails are so out of control uh, because people can't bend over to take care of their feet. You know, we just I've talked about it, my feet or your feet a lot, you know, a few years ago. All I can see is, oh, my God, that makes you so vulnerable when you can't protect your feet. Because obviously, you know, if your feet don't work, you can't move. And if you can't move, you can't stay safe. And it's just one of those like, oh, man, this is so scary. And um, and then I uh, proceeded on you know, to run errands and then ended up at Walmart in the middle of the day, which I never do for this exact reason. It's just brimming with people and it's packed. The parking lot is packed and I have a great big old truck. And the only way I can park is when I pull through and I take up two spots, which at seven in the morning, it's not a big deal because nobody's there. Uh, and because this town is 
filled with people living in their vehicles. There's all kinds of big vehicles. And and again, you know, dogs ballistic. They've been in the car 20 minutes. And so uh, I take them out and, uh, you know, they're just wanting to go, but there's so much traffic and there's so many people. And, uh, you know, I want to keep them safe because they're vulnerable if they get away from me and they're in a place where they're not going to be safe and tripping me. And so I'm yelling. And then some guy is looking at me with that evil, you shouldn't be allowed to have dog eye because I'm yelling at my beautiful puppies who seem so innocent and sweet. Which they are, but you know, I've uh, at this point I've cut my fingers on broken glass. My fingers bleeding everywhere. You know, I mean, it's one of those. Uh, I just lost it, and I get really mean verbally to to out loud, not at them, but just yelling. And it doesn't bother them, but it bothers people. So uh, that said, it's a moment where, you know, I'm inside and I'm looking at everybody. And again, it's this huge range of people and every single person, just like every single one of you, you know, I'm thinking we all have our individual lives. We all have our complex personal experiences that are spanning. You know, most people were, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, you know, some people extremely frail and vulnerable, barely able to move. And and some people very young, you know, and very overweight or obese or, you know, medically deformed, you know, like there's something wrong with them because our bodies are so weird. We don't have normal healthy bodies anymore. And we're so vulnerable. And, you know, as I started this, you know, talking about personal safety, how we are so worried about stranger danger. And, you know, one of my big stresses is, you know, the inability to buy food that's not full of poison and toxicity and lack of nutrients. Uh, And we're so worried about all the things out there that might happen to us. And yet, here we are, you know, having to eat food that's contaminated and beverages that are contaminated and and food that's killing us, but we don't stop. We just keep on, but we're going to go buy another gun, you know, while we're 200 pounds overweight to stay safe. When even in war, more people die from an infection than they do a gunshot wound. And we're so messed up about what is personal safety Uh, And what is real danger? And what is, you know, what is that thing that we're most afraid of when we spend, you know, all day, every day making, you know, one tiny mistake and everything is over? It doesn't matter how many weapons of self-defense or how much situational awareness I have. You know, I just forgot to do one tiny thing and the weather almost took me out. And it's a, it's a humbling moment because, you know, when we're young, we feel invulnerable. We feel like uh, anything is possible and we can take care of anything. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm just so hyper aware of how uh, time is moving so fast and I am slowing down and technology is moving so fast. You know, there's 
I don't know, there's all these side hustle things, you know, I'm always getting probably because I looked at one. So now I get tons of side hustles. And, and there's a million things I quote unquote, could do to make money. And it's not that I can't do them. But I can't keep up. You know, I just don't have the electricity and I don't have the patience to understand all the tech and the online. And I don't have a mailing address and I don't have a way to, to, to receive returns. And, 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 you know, I'm 17 and I'm this one gal, I'm making $34,000 a month selling guinea pig accessories to make their life more comfortable. And, uh, you know, why is that so profitable? You know, when we have a world that's falling apart, so we're we're terrified of stranger danger. Uh, you know, we make all kinds of suicidal choices for our own safety and comfort, but we're going to spend a lot of money to make sure our guinea pig is comfortable. And I do the same thing. You know, the dogs have more toys than any one or two dogs should ever have. Because these are the things, you know, I can control. I can't control having a nice, great big yard that's fenced in so they can run and play. Uh, I, one of the funniest stories was, you know, my first dog, Freedom, he, you know, I always took him for long walks. And so we had, you know, a very active outdoor life. You know, we had long walks in the morning in the desert. And then the afternoon, he had a social pack that he walked with. So he had a, a good life other than, you know, long days at work. But, um, at one point I had rented a house and it was half an acre fenced in in the backyard. And I was so excited that he had this great big space that he could be a dog in. And I'll never forget, like all he would do was go sit outside and sun himself. And I'd be looking out the kitchen window and, you know, I'd leave the porch door open so he could come in and out because that was covered. It was a beautiful house. It was this great big house I didn't need. But, um, He's, he's like this little tiny brown dot, you know, out in the yard, just sunning himself. And I was so happy, you know, I had given him all this space so he could be a dog. And the funny part was if I opened the refrigerator and just touched something that had some kind of saran or plastic on it, he could hear it and he'd come running in because it was food, 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 right? You know how dogs are. So, you know, we're, we're desperate to try to pr bring comfort and perfect lives and happiness and joy to ourselves and to those we love. And, uh, but we're coupled with this thing about how we're still vulnerable and not wanting to build a world that addresses the realities of that. But instead, we've built a world that provides an illusion around what we're vulnerable to. And, uh, you know, we all, we have healthcare and we have nursing homes and we have ambulances and we have emergency rooms. Uh, and then we have the world's worst food and toxic water and toxic air and toxic chemicals and, and, uh, chronic diseases off the chart that are killing us because we sit inside and watch TV and we don't move and we don't go outside. And, and we're worried about stranger danger. And then we wonder why, you know, we all sit around and watch the government kill us. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating moment in time how, and we watch, you know, 
our borders be invaded. And we're just watching all this stranger danger by government and people who, quote, unquote, are supposed to be taking care of us happen. And we think, gosh, they really shouldn't do that. And then we go to the store and buy, uh, you know, food that has no nutritional value. And it's not even because we want to, but in many ways, that's all that's available to us. It's... uh I know I was buying uh, meat at one. Of, there's a little store that has better prices. I don't like to buy meat at Walmart, but it just doesn't look right. I'm like, I know they're doing something to this, you know, making it redder or something that it's supposed to be. But that's my only choice. It's so frustrating to be vulnerable into all the things that we can't control and we can't change, even if we're aware of them. You know, there's only so much you can do. And it really, you know, doesn't matter on the one hand how you're living. You know, if you're like me trying to figure out how to do it in its simplest form to, to, you know, my goal is to minimize the amount of physical effort I have to put forth in any given day so that I can maximize that energy in a way that has value to me. Um, I was thinking about that when I saw something where, you know, on commercial or TV show or something where uh, somebody was cleaning their bathroom. And I thought, I don't have to spend any time cleaning my bathroom. (laughs) I don't miss that at all. And it's, you know, we have uh, trade-offs, right? And, you know, there's people who have money, who have people take care of all those things for them. And there's the illusion of you can entitlement your way to safety, but what happens when your money goes away, right? Or what happens when the cleaning supplies go away? So we're all in this bubble that is dangerous and there's nothing we can do about it because even if everything was perfect, the reality is, is we all have areas of our life that were vulnerable. Uh, But there are moments like I had the other morning where the awareness of that vulnerability was extremely uncomfortable. And uh, and I don't know what the difference is, you know, for men and women, because, you know, I know as men age, they they still retain a lot more of their physical strength, you know, than women do. And, uh, and, it, and it isn't that you can't. It's not that you can't get older and that you can't still be strong, but... You know, there's just little things like I don't have the the hand strength or the grip strength that I used to have. My truck bed gets stuck if I close it off from the latches. And so uh, it got locked up and I don't have the hand strength to open it when it locks up like that. And so I had to ask for help for this from this young guy who worked at Walmart and he was, you know, extremely perturbed. And I had to keep telling him what to do because he didn't understand that. I kept saying, you know, I can't, my hands aren't strong enough. I can't lift that lock, you know, the, the flip the thing open to unlock it because it's frozen. And he finally, he got it undone and still like resentful that he was there because he think he thought I was going to ask him to unload my groceries too. And I said, no, I got the rest. I just couldn't, my hands aren't strong enough. And, you know, there's that panic, you know, I'm sitting in a parking lot full of old people, uh, you know, waiting for somebody that's young enough that has some damn hand strength. And, you know, older people collect in areas where it's warm, but when you have a bunch of people that are just old, what happens? We need young people. You know, so much of what we've done in our culture and our society is so stupid. 
because we've been in a bubble, you know, and that bubble is starting to pop. And, um, and I know I'm rambling. And like I said, today's kind of being a rambling thing because I've just had all these thoughts about this, but I wanted to talk about it. Uh, not to, as I said the last time, vomit all over you with my venting, but because it's so real and it's so, and I don't know what it's like to be a man to have these experiences. I don't know if men feel vulnerable the same way women do. Uh, and women feel vulnerable at if different ages for different reasons, you know, when we're young and there's pressure at us and we don't understand it, you know, from men. And uh, to now, you know, when we're older and we're vulnerable because we realize we don't have the physical strength to do everything that we always once did, or for the women who've been married a long time and didn't learn how to do certain things, and then their husband dies and they're vulnerable because they can't take care of themselves. You know, when I was uh, doing uh, working with uh, older women in their homes, you know, so many women at that we don't see that as much now, but, you know, at a point where women didn't even know what their, where their bank account was or how to balance or how to get money or how to pay bills. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, being so uh, stuck, you know, in a world where you don't even know how to access your money. And that used to be normal. You know, we lived in a world once upon a time where most people didn't read or write. Can you imagine how vulnerable you would feel when everybody else could read or write? The world was moving on through the written word and you didn't, you couldn't read. Interesting sidebar. This is related to something else. Before Hawaii was quote unquote colonized by America, which is a whole separate story, it was the most literate country in the world at that time. It had more people that could read or write. Hawaii had 17 newspapers until we came in and decided to take over. But I thought that was really, really interesting. You would never think that, right? But that was true. But can you imagine, and and I feel like that for so many of us, as technology has morphed into something uh, that I don't understand, it's like not being able to read or write. You know, people are speaking a language I don't understand, and people are running businesses in ways that I will never be able to keep up with. And it's frustrating, and so you just kind of give up. And when you give up, you know, you feel more vulnerable. And and what do we do, you know, with that vulnerability? You know, do we, and that goes back to this fight, flight, freeze, you know, because vulnerability is a state of danger. Uh, and... When we feel in fear, we react with one of our stress responses. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I don't push at vulnerability. I pull back and pause, right? I, I want to retreat. I want to hide. I want to get away from it uh, because I know I can't fight my way out of it because I don't physically have the capacity or mentally or emotionally have the capacity uh, and that's what's happening to us, you know, with this massive assault going on around us right now is that we're feeling overwhelmed and we're using our fight, flight, freeze in response. And so we have a lot of people yelling. But, you know, when men yell and they don't take action, it creates more estrogen for them. And, you know, that's what we need is men with more estrogen. And it's 
we're just in this fascinating moment of time and we're all having these wildly different experiences and incredibly different responses to the same set of facts that some or some may not have access to. And it's it's really, really interesting. And then you have that moment in your personal life, like I did the other day, where something you make one freaking tiny mistake and it verges what could have been completely catastrophic. Like that lady who fell and screwed up her knee. It's so scary to be in a world that's changing this fast and aging into it. I think with a different kind of awareness that young people don't have because we have more life experience that gives us contrast to understand, oh, you know, this is bad versus the naivete of being young thinking, oh, someone's just going to take care of it or I'm strong enough, you know, I'll be able to handle it. So I don't share this to be depressing. I don't share this to purge my own crud up on you. I just wanted to like encapsulate that feeling in a couple different ways of vulnerability because uh, we don't really talk about it. Uh, and I don't know anybody that's probably not feeling it in some way, no matter how defended you are or prepared you are or tucked in you are. Uh, you know, there's just this awareness that it's just one tiny little thing can take you out. And I don't like that. And it's a aging thing, too, in that you know, what What you used to be able to do, you know, fight your way through it. For me, you know, oh, I'm strong enough, I can fix it. Oh, I'm strong enough, I can hike, you know, hike in to get help. You know, as those things are being taken away, I don't like the way it feels. Uh, and all I can do, because I can't like, oh, you know, I can't like, I'm going to get on a physical fitness routine and I'm going to get really strong. Like, and technically, yeah, I could get physically stronger, but technically kind of no, you know, I'm observing that, that uh, things I used to do aren't producing the same, you know, my daily tasks of lifting and, you know, moving around and things like that. It used to be, I could see myself getting stronger, you know, but it's been what, I'm going into my fourth month, uh, it's not happening. And my muscles aren't building, you know, the way that they used to. I'm not getting stronger by doing certain activities. I'm just still barely able to do them. And that shouldn't be the way it is, you know, after four months. Sounds like there's something in here. God damn, if I have another mouse in here. So vulnerability from the mouse invasion, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> so it's just... Uh, I wanted to name it. I just wanted to kind of chat with you. I just wanted to take us on that little journey. Uh, I wanted to ask those questions. And, and like I said, I don't know, you know, what it feels like for men as they age, if it feels like a vulnerability or, or not, because, you know, there's so much more physical strength uh, than it is for women. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like that I can just make one mistake and have everything be over. And that's true at any age, you know, the, all that people who text and then they're dead, right? You're in the car, you're texting and you're dead. It's, it's possible at any age, 
but I'm so much more aware of it at an increasing rate. Uh, you know, as like you, as I'm witnessing all the things going on in the world, uh, it's just becoming more complex because our backup systems, you know, are being taken away and more and more people are moving into a state of vulnerability and fragility. And, you know, we, I've talked about it before. There's a, there's been, you know, anti-fragile. Oh, how dare you be fragile? Oh, how dare you have emotions? Uh, Oh, you're too soft. Oh, you're a snowflake. You know, and we're attacking children for being anti-fragile when they never were raised to handle stress. You know, they never had, a lot of them never even got the chemical bath. You know, boys didn't get that second testosterone wash that allowed them to be masculinized. I mean, we're attacking everybody because they're not being the way we need them to be. And most of that comes from our inner fear of our own invulnerability. You know, we attack weakness in others when we're afraid of acknowledging that same weakness within ourselves, and uh, and at the same time, you know, I can have that fabulous awareness, and it doesn't do anything about my reality that I don't like this increasing state of vulnerability. I don't like any awareness that there's a fragileness to what I'm doing and what we're all doing. I mean, it's never gone away, but. I think what's been changing for me uh, in these last years, you know, as my health and my energy and my strength and my capacity to function, you know, in fight mode is being radically diminished. Uh, it's ner- It's uncomfortable, you know. I think it would be easier to drop dead at an age when everything still works and I didn't have to do this part. But here we are. So... Uh, I don't have anything to say to say to magically make it away go away. I do think though it relates to what I talked to you about last time. Purging versus letting go. Purging would be journaling all this fear out. And then the letting go is the processing of the reality. You know, I'm letting go of what I want. And what I want is to not feel fragile, to not feel vulnerable, to not be nervous about making a mistake that's going to take everything away. And that's letting go. That's an emotion of of having to face something I don't want that's becoming real. So, like I said, I just wanted to kind of check in with you because, yay, did I tell you I lost my microphone? I found my microphone. I've been searching for my microphone for days. I haven't been able to find it. It's shocking to me how I can be in such a freaking tiny space. And I try to put things back in the same space every time so I know where to go look. But between the rain and the laundry and, you know, things have gotten jostled. So I haven't been able to find my microphone. (laughs) I couldn't find it yesterday. Deep breath. Here we are. So that's kind of me unloading where I'm at. But I wanted to kind of walk you through all those uh, emotions and feelings. uh, Because I know for me, it helps when I hear other people name something. Not because I'm going to fix it. Not because it's going to change. But I think that it's difficult to talk to even other people about these things because, you know, when we're afraid, then we trigger. And so someone might get mad at us because our sharing about our feelings of fear of vulnerability might trigger in them 
their fear and they choose to attack. That's their stress is they fight at you because they don't want to know that about themselves. So they attack you for feeling weak. And we see that, you know, especially in men and women, you know, men who are afraid of their fragile vulnerabilities uh, often attack in others that same trait oh, you're weak, you're, you know, you're a snowflake, all those things. And, you know, those kids never learn how to manage stress. Stress is a muscle just like everything else. If you don't use it and grow and and tolerate more, it doesn't get better. And it certainly doesn't get better as you get older. I'm sure we're all aware of that, right? So deep breath, my friends. I hope you're having a good day. I'm excited because we have food, we have water, we have clean clothes. It's going to be cold, but we have a sunny day. And most importantly, there is no wind. So uh, my goal is to put everything away that's in a massive state of chaos right now so that I can feel more in control of my environment, which goes a long way for making me feel less vulnerable. Uh, But I wanted to catch this state of being with you just as a way to acknowledge that things are changing and we don't have control over all of them. Uh, And it's real and it's uncomfortable and there's nothing you can do about it to 100% make the process stop happening. But I think by naming the feeling and journaling or sharing or even just acknowledging that this is real, it kind of lets that feeling, for me at least, relax a little bit. That, yeah, I have a new level of fragility and vulnerability I'm not excited about. And I can take a deep breath uh, and I can go and I can witness what other people are managing. I can have more compassion you know, for what other people are feeling and experiencing. Uh, And I can just try to make peace with it because this is real. You know, we're all going through this in our own unique personal way. Nobody's special being uh, more vulnerable, but it is real. And with that, my friends, uh, I have turned the heater off and we are officially approaching. It's getting too cold in here. So I got to turn the heat back on. Deep breath, my friends, and I will see you next time.